This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host and mom, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Welcome to the show, Mom. Hey, Heidi. It's good to talk to you. And uh, we're going to be talking about a really interesting book because it's uh, about questions of the spirit. And the thing about it is that um, there's some wonderful ideas for conversations that people can have. It's really a different approach to some of the grief and loss shows that we've ever done. And uh, also, the person that's coming on is a bereaved sibling, which uh, is important to all of our compassionate friends folks. And I know to you as a bereaved sibling, that's always important, right, Heidi? Absolutely, Mom. And I'm glad. I love doing sibling shows because I don't think that we've, we have enough. Um, I mean, we try to do them as much as we can and building awareness for sibling loss because it is such a minimized, unacknowledged loss. So I love that our guest is talking today about that. And I like that he has a different slant on how to look at grief and loss, and how to, to go through the process to find hope again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so why don't you introduce our guest, Todd? Okay, great. Our guest today is Brent Green, and we will be talking about questions of the spirit. Uh, in 2015, Brent Green's sister Judy died of lung cancer, leaving him as the final surviving member of his nuclear family. Brent began his career as a psychologist, moving on to become an author and speaker, specializing in baby boomers. In his book, Questions of the Spirit, The Quest for Understanding at a Time of Loss, he shares with us his hard-fought wisdom. Welcome to the show, Brent. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. It's great having you on today, and as I said, I really enjoyed uh, reading your book. Uh, Talk a little bit about your sister's death. Okay, well, there's... Actually, two areas that I can talk about. My sister, first of all, she was my older sister, my bossy big sister. (laughs) So she was, I guess you could say, thought leadership for me in so many areas of my life. And I reflect back to a very significant event in our lives when we lost our parents in 2000. My father and mother died about 18 hours apart. Wow. Um, As as they had wished, actually. Mm -hmm. They had always communicated to us that they hoped to die in in their bed at home. Uh, within the same moment, you know. Now, now were they both so, were they both ill? I mean, was or is this completely unexpected that they would die that close together? My mother had been in nursing home care for four years. She had Parkinson's disease, and I would describe her as frail and uh, somewhat detached. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she had a renaissance of awareness as well as. Uh, a renewed ability to communicate effectively toward the end of her life. And we always believed the myth in the family was is that she was waiting for my father to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, four years later, my father had a mild heart attack, uh, went into the same nursing home. We were able to overcome the rules of the organization and allow them to be in the same room together because they, you know, Oh, wow. normally prohibited that. Wow, that's unbelievable uh, that they prohibited it, and I'm really glad that you advocated for them to be together. 
Oh, yes, absolutely. Then my father, after four months, we thought he was going to be fine, but then he basically let go of the reins of life, Mm -hmm. and it took about a week for him to die. My mother seemed (laughs) stable. Uh, She was in the same room when when he passed, and my sister and I were actually over at a uh, mortuary making decisions about uh, cremation and urns and so forth, and we got a call on my cell phone and had to rush back over and my mother had collapsed at breakfast the same morning after my father died and she was gone in just a few hours after that mm. and you know in previous shows you've you've talked about uh, Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher yes. uh, the idea of a broken heart mm-hmm. and there is you know some uh, medical insights into that, that when a person so close to us dies uh, our stress hormone cortisol increases dramatically, and if we already have a frail body and some other uh, underlying conditions, that can set up uh, the condition of a you know heart failure, which is probably what happened to my mother. Well, Brent, so, our, the uh, the uh, president of the Compassionate Friends Board of Directors, Glenn Lord, his sister yes. just died in her late 30s of cancer, and the next day he found his father dead. And his mother yeah. died two years before us. Huh? Yes. Yeah. A lot going out. Well, let so, me like ask you, you said, something. Now, it's now, real. Uh, so you, your parents died in 2000 together. And by the way, one of our biggest visits with over a million people visiting Open to Hope is parent loss and adults losing parents. So that's no small thing to lose both no, your parents at that time. Mm-hmm. Even, My... you know, older parents. But I wanted to ask you, did Judy, uh, that was in 2000, so five years later Judy dies. And I know she had... Uh, some uh, lung cancer for a while. Did she have lung cancer when they, did she know she had lung cancer at that time? No. Uh, The point I was actually coming to about my parents is that she was so amazing in her spiritual and thought leadership. I mean, she took control of this situation in a way that amazed me and provided me comfort immediately. She, She really connected with the abstraction as well as the reality of their short passing. And so anyway, Julie actually had um, a cancer diagnosis 12 years later uh, in 2012, oh. and she was diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, and, you know, that immediately sent me and probably everybody around her into a form of denial because she was a person very full of life, very energetic, very opinionated, very dramatic, and very spiritual uh, because she had lost her own daughter in a car Yeah, accident. I was going to ask you that. Do you think losing her own daughter had made her more available on the, in helping with uh, grief and loss? Her daughter yes, died absolutely. in an automobile accident parent, in 1997. I mean, her daughter, excuse me, just about a year and a half before we lost our parents. And wow. that was through a tragic uh, car accident, at, and her daughter was at age 28. So wow. that really shifted my sister's life. And the entire decade of, you know, 2000 to 2010 and beyond, I think she de- definitely became uh, what I would consider to be sophisticated in the area of grief and loss. Uh, and did a lot of personal ex- exploration. So when she received her own diagnosis of cancer, stage four, uh, of course there was room for optimism, as was justified, because her life was extended three, three and a half years beyond a diagnosis of the same disease, let's say 15 or 20 years ago. But she was able to, um, you know, 
rely on our uh, strong experiences of spiritual exploration to um, move through this disease process bravely and in sometimes in ways where you wouldn't even imagine that she was, was sick or was had something that seriously going along, uh, wrong with her. So. And so, Brent, how many years after your parents died did your sister die? Four? She died actually 15 years. 15 years after your parents. Right. I mean, there's been so much loss here. I'm trying to keep track of it. I mean, it's, it's horrific. <laughs> no, no, it's not your fault. It's, it's, your, no. it's your life experience. I mean, the fact that her daughter died a year and a half before your parents. And your niece, by yes, the way. Yes, your in, niece. In your book, you speak, you know, very sweetly of her and your experience with her as a child uh, doing mm-hmm. photographs and things. It, right. You know, it's very touching. Yes, and then your parents died. And then 15 years later, your sister dies. And how old was she at the time when she died? She was 72. Okay, so this is a lot of loss. In a, in, and like you said at the beginning, you've lost many, many people in your life. Um, so how does one go on to find hope after loss when, when they have multiple losses? Well, obviously that is a very layered question because mm-hmm. there isn't any one path to learning to address grief and move through it. Right. Uh, I use you know, several different approaches throughout my book, beginning with the fundamental reason uh, the book began, and that was due to the brilliance of a hospice uh, pastor who came to my sister's home during her final days in hospice care in November, or excuse me, October of 2015. And again, our first contact with this man, first of all, he carried uh, an aura of somebody that you could instantly trust. And that's mm-hmm. something I don't think you can manufacture with education or you know, uh, intellectual uh, force, uh, the way you look at things. He, it was his uh, persona. Yeah. But he sat our family around the table, including my brother-in-law, my, my sister's husband, and her, her daughter, and so forth. And he looked at us, and he asked us a very uh, fundamental question. Is there value in suffering? And while naturally we were suffering in that particular moment, we, my sister was just hours away from dying, and it was like, what? What kind of question is that? Mm-hmm. But what the question actually does is reframe the thinking. In other words, it, it asks us to stand outside the question and look and look at the issue of our loss in a bigger way. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the kind of the cult- culturally popular question that sometimes you'll hear people ask when somebody complains or describes a negative situation, the other person will say, so how's that working for you? And, and you know, in other words, it just causes a reframing of, of what is going on with you at that moment. And that's how this question actually began the process of inspiring me to write the book, was to figure out um, not only the kinds of questions that this uh, uh, pastor could bring forward, but also all the questions that springboard from that. So my book has over 100 questions. And there may be 99 questions in there that are mild interest to you and your particular situation, but one question is going to come at you, and it's going to say, stop and rethink. And in that, there will be empowerment. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's partway to the process of addressing the question of loss and grief. 
as I described, and, and your questions are very concrete, which I like. Um, I come you back know, to the idea on of one of them, it says, "What event or situation has precipitated the greatest suffering during your life?" And you know, you can really—I mean, you could concentrate on that for you know days and hours, and and write it and think about it. And we know that uh, one of the things that came up for me in answering these questions is. We know that retelling your story is a way to heal, and I think these questions actually um, offer an opportunity to retell their story. I mean, you have areas in here where people could talk about suicide, uh, questions related to that, all sorts of questions, as you've said. But I think it is an opportunity to retell your story. I don't know. What do you think about retelling stories, Heidi? Oh, absolutely. And every time we tell them, we tell them in a little different way. And we change the way that we tell them depending on where we are in our, our journey. Yeah, and I'm thinking you're sitting around the table with him and him saying, is there value in suffering? What did some of the people say? What did you say? You thought it was weird, but how, how, how did it play out from that? Well, again, I, I have weak memory of what I actually said. Uh, we went around the table, and we were distraught with grief, uh, a lot of tears, and one by one we went around the table. I honestly can't tell you I remember exactly what I said in that moment because it was so overwhelmed with emotion. Mm -hmm. But, again, I stepped back, and uh, a few months later I began writing this book, and I readdressed the question, is, is there value in suffering? And I, I, again, returned to the loss of my parents, that, that period, and what inspired me to uh, move forward was the emergence of a creative desire and I described going to Amsterdam and mm -hmm. and spending investing in photography I'm talking about art photography candid photography uh, and actually leading to creating an exhibition and that process allowed me to move through the the deep fog and the you know the black time of my life just following my uh, the loss of my parents I can't say that I was completely, quote-unquote, healed through the process, but emerging my, emerging, um, getting myself involved in creativity helped me find a pathway out. And that's kind of what I – the message in the book, that, that we all have stories, and we can pursue our stories through many different channels, whether that be conversation, writing – photography, um, videography, recording, painting, you know, sewing. There are numerous ways that a person can find an outlet, but what we end up doing in common is we flip non-being into being, from nothing to something. And I think that's part of the process of uh, coming back to terms with our lives. I used to study the Kabbalah a bit, and one of the things that they said that I always loved was that God creates, and it's your, creative, it's your nature, your godly nature to create. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely, and I believe that is one of the pathways back for those that are feeling the very depths. What, what part of them can they tap into, you know, and it might be a pre-existing hobby that had been set aside. It might have been something they dabbled in all their lives, but they will approach it in a new way and with a fresh insight. And from that will come something that is uniquely special and liberating, in my now, belief. 
Now, I know you write, I've uh, written a lot, and before you wrote this book, kind of your, one of your specialties is the baby boomers. Do you want to give us something on baby boomers and loss and grief? Is there anything, any new take on it or anything that's going on now? Well, first of all, one of the principal thinking about the nature of the boomers is that they've transformed almost every life stage they've gone through. So they kind of redefined what it meant to be a teenager. They redefined what it meant to be a middle-aged adult. Uh, and so it's reasonable to conclude that they will be redefining what it is to be over 50, 60, and 70 and beyond, uh, particularly since the 50-plus uh, stage of life is populated with a lot of loss. And one of the things that is going on right now is that we – Boomers are experiencing a lot of cultural loss by our icons. Uh, many of the people that we grew up with that became the youth icons and the celebrities. So you can think of Dan Fogelberg or Tim Russert, the, the news anchor, or Farrah Fawcett or Patrick Swayze, Michael Jackson, David Bowie, Glenn Fry with the Eagles. Suddenly, uh, dramatic deaths are out there, and in some cases, we're learning about how to die with grace, either through experiencing somebody else's death that's close to us or ultimately our own death. We saw that with Farrah Fawcett and Patrick Swayze, who both had somewhat extended periods of time following their diagnoses mm -hmm. with cancer. And they were somewhat public. Certainly, Farrah Fawcett was. Well, the publicness so, of it is amazing, isn't it? And uh, the Facebook, uh, people coming in with comments. And, you know, it's it's odd because uh, our son was killed 30, over 30 years ago and Heidi's brother. And uh, last year we got a video of this guy talking about Scott who just found us on the Internet. And Scott was 17 at the time. It, it, the uh, Internet is uh really something and people are so open and and sometimes it can be disturbing i keep hearing it's my brother's birthday every year and he died uh three years ago and they still haven't gotten it off of facebook so i don't know it's a it's a, it's a weird thing isn't it Hyde? yeah it is it is and th like you said things constantly pop up which can be a good thing as well it's it's bittersweet oftentimes yeah so what well, do you again, think about the, the internet boomers, we're seeing more of a public sense of mourning we're, mm -hmm. we're you know kind of death and dying went into the the clinical hospital room during the last half of the 20th century uh death became a very private thing when back at the turn of the 20th century in the uh 1800s and so forth death was somewhat public you know people had uh, you know long periods of mourning family and extended family and neighbors and communities came together around deaths and shared this experience and it was considered a much more common part of and life. And you had the bodies at the house. You know. Right. It was very different. But what I what I think is uh maybe maybe it's full circle then. Um we are now we're a global community with the internet. We absolutely are and one of the points I make in the book is that for the first time in human history People that are not necessarily in the public eye, that are celebrities that who have, you know, uh, big reputations, are now able to create time capsules of themselves and send them into the future. 
Uh, in other words, we have an ability to leave a legacy that goes beyond a marker on a gravestone in, in a cemetery, and that is both what I would say the convergence of generations as they're aging, the silent generation of the baby boomers are going to adopt well to that idea of creating, in effect, digital time capsules for themselves. But it's also the same, or the emergence of technology at the same time, the Internet and uh, all kinds of uh, web-based uh, tools and communities where one um, can leave a legacy uh, and, you know, there's some famous, now famous instances on the Internet of people that have blogged their own deaths. Wow. You know? Yeah, and, and, and the uh, last uh, speeches and all for, that. And that kind uh, of forever. is in and your book, too. Tell us where people can get your book. Ago, anonymous. Mm-hmm. Where can people get your book? Uh, well, it's on Amazon. And mm-hmm. so it's just very simple to go to, you know, Amazon and uh, search for questions of the spirit. And they will find the book. Questions of the Spirit, The Quest for Understanding at a Time of Loss by Brent Green. Wonderful book. It's a great read. And we haven't even been able to touch on the fact that it is a great read. And there's some wonderful stories. And it's really a very excellent book. So highly recommend that people get it. And do you have a website they can go to? Because I know you got Same, your baby boomer uh, books and all that. Questionsofthespirit.com. What is it again? Questionsofthespirit.com. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a joy to talk with you, and thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you, Brent. I appreciate it very much, and I appreciate the work you're doing. I am now a fan. Oh, good. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Heidi, uh, interesting show. I mean, we could go on and on. I wanted to ask him what his next book's going to be. I mean, uh, the book is just uh, real. This is very interesting, and I want to get out and read some of this baby boomer. You are a baby boomer, so you're going to run and read them. I'm at, I'm at the tail end of the baby boom, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So read those books, and uh, we want to thank everybody for listening to our show today, and we hope that you'll tell your friends and family about Open to Hope and uh, the wonderful writers and the wonderful radio shows and television shows that are on there. And we're on 24-7 because I know a lot of people grieve early in the morning and late at night, and we're always there for you. And Heidi and I always want to remind you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.